Please turn with me now to Exodus chapter 20 as we continue working through the Ten Commandments. Exodus 20, we come tonight to verse 13, the sixth commandment, you shall not murder. Keep a finger there in Exodus 20. I'm going to read first tonight from Matthew 5, verse 17 through 26. And then we'll come back to Exodus 20. Matthew 5, I'm going to read verse 17 through 26 of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Once again, please give your careful attention to the living and active word of God, the sword of the Spirit. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets... I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder. And whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you be put in prison. Truly I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. And now turn back to Exodus 20 together. I'm going to read the preface, the first two verses, and then I'm going to read the second table of the law, beginning at verse 12 through 17. But again, our focus is on a very short verse, uh, 13. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Jump down to verse 12. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. Let's stop and pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word and we ask now that you would enable us to understand and rightly apply your word. Lord, we know that you are the God who made us. We've just been reminded in Psalm 139 that 
the, the number of thoughts you have for us is so beyond our ability to comprehend. The way in which you love us and care for us and orchestrate everything in our lives together for good. And so we pray that you might use this time in your word right now uh, to instruct us, to show us our need for Jesus, to conform us <clears throat> to his image, and to glorify your name. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You shall not murder. This commandment has to do with death. Avoiding unnecessary and unlawful death. And this commandment is perhaps the most well-known and perhaps also the most upheld commandment, at least on the surface. But as we'll see, there is a lot below the surface. It has much more to do with life. Treasuring and protecting and preserving life. Uh, loving others, loving the life of others. Uh, we have a lot of ground to cover tonight, and so I want to just jump right in. And my hope is that we'll see together that God calls you in the sixth commandment to treasure the gift of life. Treasure the gift of life. You shall not murder, but you shall protect and treasure life, all life, your own life, the life of your neighbors. Treasure, protect, and preserve your life and the life of others. Well, I want us first to consider the meaning of the sixth commandment, and then we'll move on to its application, how we're to keep it. And so let's look first at the actual command. Verse 13 again, you shall not murder. Verse 13 is actually just two words in Hebrew, lo ratzak. It refers to the unlawful taking of life, uh, wrongly causing death. Death not to plant or animal life, but to human life. Man taking man's life. Now, the Bible does teach that there is a time and place to lawfully take life. It's not forbidding the taking of life as a legal punishment carried out by a lawful authority. Genesis 9 verse 6 says, Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed, for God made man in his own image. Uh, Romans 13 gives the power of the sword to lawful government. Uh, the sixth commandment also doesn't forbid taking life in uh, self-defense or national defense either. Uh, these are examples where the Bible teaches taking life can be done in accordance with the sixth commandment in order to protect and preserve life, which is really the positive purpose of this command. But God, in giving this command, is making it abundantly clear that to unlawfully take life is wrong. Unlawfully take life, this is forbidden. And this can be done in several ways. It can be done in what's referred to as in cold blood. Uh, what's often referred to as premeditated murder. Uh, it can be done in hot blood, uh, meaning not premeditated, but in the heat of the moment. Sometimes this is called voluntary manslaughter. Uh, it can even be done by carelessness and negligence, uh, involuntary manslaughter. All of these, God says, th these are unlawful and wrong. Uh, the commandment forbids these acts that terminate physical human life. 
And as we see, it also covers a lot more, as we will see. But what this commandment makes very clear is that God values life. God values life. It is a gift that we have no right to take under almost every circumstance. Your life, the life of every human being, has dignity and value because we are made in God's image. That means we are made to reflect the God who made us. We're made to praise him and relate to him. We're made with minds and emotions and wills. We're moral agents with everlasting souls. We're made above animals, as we sang about in Psalm 8. We're placed over the creation. We're made in such a way that we're able to know and serve our creator. And deep down inside, I think people understand that this is the case. Deep down inside, people know that man is not just a high-functioning, evolved animal. We have a sense of right and wrong on our hearts. And so we know intuitively that it is wrong to kill. Of course, men suppress that truth, that, that knowledge. But life is valuable because human beings are valuable. Life is valuable not because that ethic has emerged over time in order to protect ourselves, in order to protect the herd as some sort of defense mechanism, this evolutionary construct. You know, we better not kill each other. That just doesn't work very well. No, life is valuable because God says so. God gives people value. They are made in his image. And God has written it on stone and on human hearts that we are to value life and not to take it. And so, friends, do you value life, your life and the life of your neighbor? Do you know that it is a gift? It's a, it's a fragile gift, but a precious gift. Do you know that God alone creates life and takes life in his timing, in his way? Well, that leads us to consider how to keep this commandment then. And first, I want to consider what's forbidden in this commandment. So let's consider first the negative. We'll take a little bit of time on this, but let's consider second tonight the negative. Verse 13 again, you shall not murder. As we just saw, this commandment forbids the outward act of taking life unlawfully and carelessly, but it includes much more than that. Anything that may lead to a loss of life, and so, for example, careless behavior while driving um, can easily result in life being destroyed. Uh, this is foolish, and it's forbidden. Um, think about texting. This is very dangerous, and many lives are claimed each year uh, because of that. Driving under the influence, uh, driving too fast, out of control, uh, driving when you're too tired. Or think about fire as another example. This might seem silly, but not cleaning out the lint from your dryer, that can be a form of careless negligence. Um, I've heard that that's the number one cause of house fires in our country. Deuteronomy 22 verse 8 commanded the Israelites to build a wall around the roof to prevent unnecessary death and injury. We might apply that principle to raised decks or in-ground pools today. And the libertarian will hear something like that and protest, 
But the Bible says life is valuable and not just your own life. We are called to love and protect not just ourselves, but others because life is valuable. Now, of course, we need balance in all of this. If we wanted to avoid all risk, we'd never go out the door. We're not to live in fear or worry. We can't possibly eliminate all risk. We're not all-knowing, and we are fallible and frail. We don't always remember to look both ways. We don't always remember to clean out the lint. But this commandment does call us, to the best of our abilities, to not be careless with life. The sixth commandment also governs the inner man, the heart, and the mind as well. We're not just to avoid what could physically cause death, but uh, mental and emotional states that could as well. And so this is just one example, but think about the numbing effect of a, a constant diet of violence has. Violent lyrics, violent films, video games. Uh, there seems to be less restraint in acting violently uh, when these are a big part of people's lives. There's actually research that suggests strong correlation between virtual violence and actual violence. And look at the, the violence that's prevalent in our entertainment culture, and it's maybe not as shocking when we see so much violence every day on the front page. The Sixth Commandment also forbids hatred, envy, revenge. We saw in Matthew 5, which I read, Jesus teaches that unresolved anger and hatred towards our brother, uh, insulting your brother, is murder of the heart. 1 John 3.15 says, Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Now that sounds extreme, but remember the commandments are not just about the final outward act. They govern the heart and the emotions and the attitudes as well. So think about this. You're not allowed to have unrighteous, unresolved anger towards your spouse, towards your friend, your brother or your sister, your boss, your employee. How are you doing with this? Are you seeking to keep this commandment in your heart and at the attitude level? Now, of course, we all fail here, don't we? This is why we need Jesus Christ. This is why we need his righteousness and his death. His identity. So we're not identified as murderers, but as those who are righteous in Christ. And uh, when we see this sin in our hearts, we need to repent and trust in the mercy of Christ. Well, the sixth commandment forbids more. Uh, even legally acceptable forms of murder, such as abortion and euthanasia. Uh, taking life at the beginning or the end of life is wrong and forbidden. God is the one who gives life at conception, and he takes it away in his way and in his timing because he is God. The value of life is not based on convenience, position, age, ability, or what society deems is valuable. It comes from God the Creator. The Sixth Commandment also forbids anything that would endanger your life or cause harm and potentially lead to death to yourself or to others. So think about, again, this is maybe a silly example, but think about thrill-seeking that involves unnecessary risk. Uh, 
Do you realize Niagara Falls has claimed the lives of dozens of people trying to survive it? In 1920, when Charles Stevens attempted to shoot the falls in a barrel, the only thing recovered in his barrel was his right arm. This is not keeping the Sixth Commandment. This is not protecting and preserving life. Taking our own life is also forbidden by this commandment. When we think about that, I want to read 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. 1 Corinthians 10 says, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. A suicide is not permissible, and it is not necessary. Now, I want to be clear that murder, whatever form it takes, whether it's suicide or abortion or whatever form it takes, this is not the unforgivable sin. It is not beyond the cleansing blood and mercy of Jesus, but it is sin that needs the blood of Jesus Christ for forgiveness and the grace of God. There are behaviors that can lead to suicide or self-harm that are also forbidden. Self-hatred, um, stress that you just leave unchecked, worry, anything that can lead to thoughts of self-harm or loathing, hating life. Now, this is a big topic, and it's not to minimize these very real excruciating feelings and excruciating trials. Um, this, if this is something you've struggled with or or you may struggle with in the future, you need to know that you're not alone. Uh, you're not, in one sense, you're not unique. Uh, there is help, and there is hope. And you need to cry out to the Lord. You need to surround yourself with his truth and with his body. Uh, you need to seek help, because there is help. Uh, seek help from an elder, a pastor, or a, a Christian friend, a doctor, or a counselor. Remember how God sees you. How he sees you in Christ as a beloved saint, a beloved child, an image bearer. Uh, he can help and he can deliver you. This commandment also calls us to avoid uh, intemperance, uh, too much food or drink, gluttony, drunkenness, uh, drugs, addictions, not taking care of our bodies, not being stewards of the, the temple of the Holy Spirit. We must not overwork or undersleep. Uh, we need to get enough exercise and sun and healthy food. A physical and spiritual health are closely related because we're made in God's image with physical bodies and immaterial souls that are intimately connected and both need to be cared for and protected. Uh, the body is not evil and insignificant. 1 Corinthians 6.19 through 20 says your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you. You are not your own for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Well, that was a little bit of a marathon, a long list, and, and we could actually go on if we wanted to. But I hope that you see the positive purpose of this commandment. Life is valuable. Life is to be treasured. Life is a gift from God. We are frail, small beings uh, walking around in a big world and on the edge of eternity. And God wants us to live as long as he pleases for his glory. 
he wants us, he, he calls us to treasure and to preserve life. And so let's consider third how to do that. Let's consider third tonight the positive. The positive requirement of the sixth commandment. It is this, to do all that you can to preserve and defend life. Of course, understanding that God is ultimately sovereign over all of this. We talked briefly about caring for our own lives physically and spiritually. We have to learn self-control. We have to get exercise and nutrition and rest. We have to feed our souls. We have to get help when needed. But how can we protect the life of others? Well, let me give just a few examples. Be able to defend yourself and your family from danger, whether it's fire or car accidents or criminals. Um, take wise measures to protect life. I can still remember uh, climbing out of my third story window as a little boy, terrified, because I had to learn how to climb down the, the fire ladder, the escape ladder. This is, I don't know how good of an idea it was, but my dad was simply trying to protect life and, and have us prepared for if we were ever trapped by fire. Take wise measure to protect life. Care for your family's physical health. Uh, have a good doctor. Teach your children safety and common sense. Uh, safety around things like roads and other different situations. We also need to seek peace in our relationships. We need to learn how to love one another and learn biblical conflict resolution. And so when you are wronged or when you are angry, you need to learn to avoid the extremes of fight or flight. Learn patience. Gently confront each other in love. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Colossians 3 says, Put off anger, wrath, and put on love, compassion, kindness, humility, patience, bearing with and forgiving each other. Romans 12 verse 20 says, Don't take revenge. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink, for by so doing you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. What about in broader society? How do we protect and promote life? Well, pray for and support or, or even serve in government that defends life, that believes in life, that carries out justice that only conducts just war, that defends its citizens. Um, support pregnancy centers, young mothers, uh, practice or support, support adoption and foster care. Uh, support Christian aid work that seeks to preserve life while not creating dependence. Uh, support Christian doctors. Visit and care for the sick or the elderly or the uh, depressed. Uh, support EMTs firefighters or police officers, other public servants whose very job calls them to protect and preserve life. Now, some of you might study medicine or science to know how we can protect and preserve and seek to heal human life. Now, some of you may be nurses or therapists or other care providers. If you're an employer, seek to keep your employees safe. Uh, pay them fairly. Give them enough rest. Don't view them just in terms of profit and loss. Uh, build things and offer services that work 
and that last and that are safe. What else would you add to this list? How can you promote and protect life? How can you value and defend life? This is what God calls us to in his word. I want you to think about all the staff and the equipment and the technology and research and effort that goes into a NICU. Think about all of the trouble and the expense in a NICU. Well, this is because life, life even at the margins, even at the very beginning, the life of a sick, small, fragile baby is so precious and so valuable. And, and all hands are preserved. All technology and cutting-edge medicine is employed to preserve that life because it is precious. And if your child needs the NICU, you are thankful for it. You would do whatever it takes. But think about this. You are God's children, made by him. You belong to him. You are precious to him. And he wants you alive. He wants you and he wants others alive. He wants you to value life, to protect and preserve it and promote it. And you do that by starting close to home with yourself, with your family, with your church, your community, and then beyond. God calls you to treasure the gift of life. But as we think about this, and before we close tonight, I want you to consider something else. Ultimately, you cannot save yourself or anyone else physically or spiritually. You can't save yourself. You can't save anyone else. A death is a universal reality that you and I and no one, no matter how smart or strong, none of us can stop it. Psalm 49 verse 7 says, Truly no man can ransom another or give God the price of his life. And so what do we do? What do we do in this situation? Well, you and I need the one who has life. We need the one who gives life. The one who is the life. The one who could and did pay the price. And so forth and finally tonight, look to the life. Put your faith in the life. Death came as a result of sin. We have all sinned. We all deserve death. And yet God did not leave us here. He's given us a gift. He's, he's given us the gift of forgiveness and life through Jesus. Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Your sin and my sin brought death, but Christ's sinless life and his sacrificial death brought life. Life as it was meant to be, physical, spiritual, everlasting life. John 1.4, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. John 10.10, 10, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. 
John 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If you hear anything, if you hear nothing else tonight, hear this. Jesus is life. Jesus is the life. Apart from him, there's only death, but in him, there is life. And so look to him, believe in him, and have abundant eternal life in him. I want to ask a question tonight as you listen to God's word. And the question is this, are you dead or are you alive? Are you dead or are you alive? Death is going to swallow up every one of us sooner or later unless Christ comes back. But the question is, are you dead or are you alive? Are you dead in your sins or are you alive in Jesus by faith in him? Are you trusting in the one who's the only way and truth and life, who is the resurrection and the life, the one who swallowed up death in victory? If so, rejoice and give praise to God and know that you have life and if not run from death by running to him in faith and have life in him now this probably all seems rather sober and morbid on a night like tonight but in a way it's really fitting think about it Jesus came and took on human life He took on human flesh so that he might die, so that he might taste death, lay down his life in order to give life to all who would believe in him. And Jesus was murdered. His life was unlawfully taken. He was killed horrifically. Why? It is because he treasured life. He treasured life you. He treasured your life, your life even when you are dead in sins and deserving death. Friends, is your hope in him? Is your joy and your comfort in him? Will you treasure life? Will you receive this gift from him? Don't walk out of here and away from Jesus and away from life. Do all that you can to treasure and preserve your life and the life of others. Jesus did this by giving his own life. And so look to him and have life, life eternal in him. And then do as he did. Treasure the gift of life by faith to the glory of God. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we are aware that the wages of sin is death. But we thank you and praise you that your free gift to us in Christ is life and forgiveness. And so, Lord, because of that, let us treasure life. Even the, the frail, limited human lives that you've given us. Because we are made in your image. Lord, help us to be known as those who value life and defend it and promote it. Even life on the margins which others would overlook or cast aside. Lord, you know that we do not do this perfectly. You know that we sin against each other in our own hearts. We ask for your forgiveness. We pray that you'd fix our faith on Jesus, who perfectly kept your law for us 
and laid down his life for us so that we might not die in our sins but have life in him. We pray that you would glorify your name by working this out in us. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's respond to God.